16 and 11, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And then we think of what the uh, Shorter Catechism of the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith asks that question, what is the chief duty of man? And man's chief duty is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Wednesday to everybody. This is a word of grace. My name is Andy Burak. And I'm Derek Gillespie. And again, we're happy to have you join us. We're uh, for this month discussing uh, the subject about reading the Bible. Um, and if you've been with us uh, for the last couple of episodes, we've been um, moving through a kind of a thesis that has been proposed by John Piper about the aim for our Bible reading. And Derek, you and I were even just talking a minute ago about how, how difficult it is sometimes to come to the Bible with the right mindset or to, to, to search in it more as a textbook or doing it as a duty or checking, off, checking it off as a box. Um, being as transparent as you can, which of those tends to be a, a real struggle for you? Uh, from time to, from time to time, I think it's the uh, checking it off, mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, just ticking uh, one of the uh, boxes of the many things that I have to do in my life, uh, and losing sight of the fact that I'm doing it to actually seek the glory of God and and, and relish that glory. Sometimes I'm reading it just to be able to say I actually read it. And uh, I think that's so unfortunate, but uh, in being transparent, sometimes that, that is the case. And what Piper suggests, and, and the way we want to begin, and, and we said this yesterday, or, uh, Monday on the podcast, is that John Piper believes, and we would agree with him, that the aim in coming to our Bible, or the goal in our Bible reading, is to see to see the supreme value of God, to savor that, and then to be transformed by that. And there's a lot more to that, but see, savor, transform is pretty much the, the latter, we could say, as far as yes, coming to Bible. Yes. Um, so we talked about seeing, and today we want to talk about savoring. Um, that's, a, that's a strange word. We, um, we don't use that word a lot. Uh, it's used a lot on cooking shows. Do right. you watch a lot of cooking shows? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> What's your what, what might be your favorite one? What's your favorite wow, cooking let's show? See, one of my favorite ones. Well, I have to think on that one. Um, actually, there's a few that I really like. Uh, believe it or not, I like the Barefoot Contessa. Okay, I, I don't know that <laughs> uh, one. I like uh, uh, the Pioneer Woman. Okay, Leah knows that who that um, is. Then. Oh, well, uh, there, I like the cooking so competitions many. when they now, do a I competition. Don't like oh, the you don't like that? Okay. No, no. Why not? Uh, because I like to see them actually cook as opposed to seeing who's going to do it better. Okay. Another program I, I like on uh, the public uh, station is uh, the country uh, cooking, where they actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got you talking about cooking shows. <laughs> yeah, it's a, forget the name I'm of these things. Up. Well, the re- the reason I the reason I was talking about that is because uh, 
on those shows, they'll say, and, and the competition shows, which I like the competition shows, because uh-huh. then they'll tell somebody, this stinks, or this is no good, or this burned my mouth. Mm-hmm. And they seem to always say the same things in those shows. Well, it just lacked a little bit of seasoning, or the heat was the heat. That's always yes. a thing. But they'll say, okay, you're going to make a sweet dish or a savory dish. Savory dish, dish right. Savory, yeah. I mean, help me with that. It just means more like of a meaty meal or what? Well, what it's is not this? just a meaty meal. It, it's more or less the opposite of a dessert almost. It's not sweet. Okay. Uh, but uh, you have various spices, okay. and, and uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be hot. Uh, I think what I'm realizing more here, yeah, type yeah, and I think what I'm realizing here is that you and I have the ability, and really, I think the world is probably uh, clamoring for you and I to start a uh, cooking or oh, food podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the problem with those shows are is you never can taste the stuff. Yes, you, they present yes. it and they're like, "Oh, this is wonderful," and you're mm-hmm. like, the show kind of ends. That's the only time I think of the word savor. But to savor something means uh, why don't why don't in, in regards to what Piper means, we, we talked about opening the Bible and seeing God's glory. We talked about that on Monday. Mm-hmm. But to only see it and not savor it, which is step number two, we miss out. What, what would you say, or could you summarize maybe what we're thinking about here as we think about savoring God's excellence? Okay, well, Piper says this, if there is no true seeing of the glory of God, there can be no true savoring of the glory of God. And savoring, I think, goes into the area of affection, uh, to whereas it's uh, not just an academic exercise to, to read the Scripture, but once you've read the Scripture and you've met with God, now you want to ruminate on those things and you taste it and you literally begin to enjoy Him yeah. and delight in Him. And He did say... That you could savor, we, we tend to only think about savoring pleasant things. Right. But he said you could savor painful things. Yes. Did you, do you remember that? Yes, what did I do. you think of that? Okay, well, it makes me think about as we read scripture, we savor scripture warts and all. In other words, there are some things that may be somewhat distasteful to us, but because they all work within the sovereign plan of God and it's ultimately for good, we can savor those things. Yeah. One of the things that he mentions was like when you read and a certain sin is brought to your attention through God's Word, that can be a painful reminder if you have... You know, it brings back to mind sin, but it should ultimately lead to savoring his grace or his mercy. I guess you use the word ruminate, and mm-hmm. and then you use the word affections, and I think that's what we're talking about. It's like, okay, seeing really is about getting the knowledge. Right. Okay, you have to have the knowledge mm-hmm. before your affection is changed. If you just If you just search for the affection... Without the knowledge, that's wrong too. Right. So he talked about the dangers of intellectualism and emotionalism. Did you right. tie into any of that? Mm-hmm. What, yes. what, what, what well, did he mean? Intellectualism, by that? again, is just simply having head knowledge, uh, and that's not enough. Uh, it is a beautiful thing to read God's word and acquire knowledge, but unless that knowledge leads to something greater, then you don't have a lot. And and I think we talked about it last time, and I've heard you mention it time and time again, that uh, our theology should lead to, ultimately, to doxology, mm-hmm. should, that what we learn in Scripture should lead to worship. Yeah. I, I actually said it this way in chapel, I uh, taught chapel, and 
I told the students it was like it's like the information must lead to inflammation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone like else it. has said that too, but mm-hmm. the idea that it, it's like going through the obituary page of the newspaper and g- gaining knowledge that someone has died, and it may even be someone you knew. Mm-hmm. But the deeper the knowledge of the person, the greater the affection right. that is stirred. Exactly. If it was a spouse or a mother or a child, obviously the affections are off the charts. If it was your your mailman or an acquaintance or a, a you know a long distant relative that you didn't you know the knowledge exponentially changes the affection. Right. Right. And I think that's what's being talked about here. Like. We must have a discovery in the scriptures, and right. what we discover there is the glory of God as we see it, mm-hmm. and then that leads to stirring our affections. Right, and as our affections are stirred, we're, now we're talking about delight and satisfaction. And I think that uh, Piper said something really great, and I think this was actually in his book on desiring God. He coined the term, Uh, which reflects our satisfaction and and the glory of God called Christian hedonism. You're familiar with that. Yep, it took kind of a beating on that, you know, because people just weren't getting into what he really meant But I could appreciate what he was saying. Uh, Christian hedonism is the philosophy of the Christian life that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So when are we most satisfied in him? It's when we truly know about him Mm -hmm. and we see his glory in his word. In Psalm 16 and 11, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And then we think of what the uh, Shorter Catechism of the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith asked that question, What is the chief duty of man? And man's chief duty is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think a lot of people are turned off by the fact that we are to be able to enjoy God, delight in God, or be satisfied in God. He mentioned that when he said that one time, someone came and said, God doesn't want us happy, he wants us holy, Mm -hmm. which sounds very pious. Yes. And he he came back graciously and said, I'm on the same page, except that for me, holiness does make me happy. Amen. You know, and, Amen. and Scripture over and over commands us to find our joy in God. Mm-hmm. Did he say that um, Randy Alcorn, we read another one right. of his books, mm-hmm. that he researched the word happy in the Bible and all of its synonyms like gladness and mirth and joy and joyfulness and et cetera? and found that word or truth to be mentioned over 2,000 times in the mm-hmm. Bible. So mm-hmm. it's an important thing for us to consider that God wants us to be filled with joy, but he wants himself to be that supreme object of joy. Right. And he provides that, but he provides it to us through his word. Amen. And Amen. so would you say, I'm putting you on the spot a couple times today, would you say your problem is more intellectualism, in other words, knowledge without affection, or is it emotionalism, affection without knowledge? Which, which do you struggle with? I would say intellectualism, okay. uh, knowledge sometimes without affection. Do you think that's probably the case for most Christians, or would you say the opposite is true? And, and maybe that's hard to say, but and maybe people who are listening could acknowledge, yeah, I struggle more in one area or the other. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily leaning to one side or the other, because you do have some believers who uh, they pursue 
the giddiness, so to speak. They, they pursue the warm fuzzies of, of the uh, experience through reading the Word of God. And, and again, I think that both are important. You need the knowledge and you need the affection. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of hard to say if uh, one group is, is greater I than I would the say other. it's probably based on the upbringing and even the church setting that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, more conservative, more fundamental might be led to gaining knowledge Whereas you know the charismatic and the other uh, other types of denominations like that might seek those like fuzzies or the right. feelings. I'm right. searching for the feelings, right. and and I appreciate so much that what Piper seems to be addressing is the point of gaining that knowledge is the stirring of the affections. Right, right. But they must come in that order. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't jump to the affections without pursuing God through His Word. But if you just pursue him through his word and gain the knowledge and never have your affection stirred, right. what has happened? So let me ask you this question. When, he, when we say our affections must be stirred, what are we really saying? Okay, again, we're not, I don't believe that we're talking about goosebumps. No. We're not talking about warm fuzzies, and we're not talking about experiences that gives us uh, uh, chills. Uh, but what I do believe is that uh, the affection of those truths that have already been established, hope, joy, the desire to live holy lives, uh, acknowledging the fact that we had a Savior that loved us enough to come into the world to die for us. Love is stoked to where we love him more, and as a result of loving him more, we love others more. So I believe that it's there's a mature, mature side to those things, mm-hmm. because if a person is only getting the, the warm fuzzies out of all of this, I think he's missed the point. 100%. Yeah, the, the, the affections that are stirred are so many, but even negative affections can be stirred, like grief, right. sorrow, um, and, and we're commanded to have those, uh, those types of affections. Now, one of, the, one of the key thoughts that we have to address is that, okay, God has commanded us to have this joy, and, but he has also said that reading the scriptures is the way to achieve it. Like, right. there, there's, right. that's the path. Mm-hmm. And even quotes from the scripture, John fifteen eleven. These things have I spoken to you, that your joy, joy might be, be full. full. Right. So we we cannot seek that joy uh, apart from reading the Bible. <laughs> right. And we also have to make a distinction too that uh, joy does not necessarily mean happiness, uh, because you have. Uh, an element of, of Christianity where some feel that they have to be happy at all times. I'm smiling at all times. Uh, I don't think that joy necessarily means that we walk around with a Cheshire grin uh, 24-7. There are times that we're going to be sorrowful. We're going to experience that grief that you were talking about. But in the midst of that, we can have joy and confidence in a loving God. Yeah. And we must not ever just come to the Bible uh, to, to, how can we say it, to gain knowledge, or we have to seek that knowledge in order to delight in it. Yes. Um, The Howard Hendricks wrote a book about the Scripture. I think he's gone now, uh, a a, uh, professor at Dallas Seminary. And I've, I've remembered this, 
that he he said there are different Christians have different opinions to when it when it comes like eating the word partaking of the scripture. He said um, for some people it's like castor oil. Mm-hmm. It's good for what ails you, right? It's like a medicine, <laughs> yeah. but you just kind of gulp it down and mm-hmm. and it it solves your problems. And he says for others it's like uh, shredded wheat. You know, like I mean, mm-hmm. I know people in the in the day used to like shredded wheat. Maybe certain people do still, but it's just kind of dry and dusty, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. And then to others, it's it's ice cream. It, mm-hmm. It's just a delicious, mm-hmm. wonderful. I thought that's that's a great way to put it because even scripture. Sometimes we just think we come to scripture for guidance or direction right. or like divine commandment or. Um, or doctrinal issue, and coming to the scripture for all those things is great. Right. But we're also told to, uh, you know, as the deer pants for water, exactly. so my soul longs exactly. after you. Or First Peter, as newborn babes who desire milk, desire the milk, crave the word yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. I would say I fall short in that. You know, well, I, I would agree with you. And I, the interesting thing is that in reading the word of God, that desire is actually stoked. I think, uh, to whereas if you didn't read the Word of God, because of our fallenness, I don't think that we would pant so much for the Word of God. But once we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good as we read it, then it uh, creates a greater craving. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, and and I think Scripture even speaks to that. Um, I think it's even in that passage in First Peter 2 where it says, mm-hmm. if you have tasted that the Lord is good, right. then crave right. the... You know, one of the important things that was mentioned too, and and just just so we review the main theme of our discussion today, it's you know why are we reading the Bible? That's what that, we we broke this down earlier into three parts: why we read the Bible, um, you know, why reading the Bible is a supernatural act. In other words, why it takes the un, unblinding of our eyes to to understand it, and then more specifically, as we keep talking about this, there'll be some specific applications on how to read the Bible. But in this section about what is the aim or goal of Bible reading, the goal of Bible reading is to see the glory of God and then mm-hmm. to savor it that we might be transformed. And we're in here in the middle of savoring. But one of the things that was mentioned that I thought was really good is we aren't just savoring words. Right, right. Because unbelievers can savor the Scripture mm-hmm. as literature. Uh-huh. Unbelievers can savor the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, almost as if it was a magic incantation. Mm. Or our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, can bring comfort to an mm-hmm. unbeliever who has quoted that for years and years. And I, I'm thinking back to, um, and maybe I'll entitle, every, every title of the podcast, I title it with a hymn. And this, maybe I'll use, Break Thou the Bread of Life. And I mentioned this before, where one of the lines in there, my favorite line in a hymn, Beyond the sacred page, I seek mm-hmm. thee, Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, there, you are behind the word. I can see you're wanting to say something yeah, about this. You know, I, I'm just smiling because I think you were peeking at my homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, we're, we're definitely on the same page. I was taken by uh, Piper as he was waxing poetic yeah. uh, in a statement the divine fingers of Scripture are meant to pluck every string in the harp of yeah. your soul. In other words, the truths in Scripture pertaining to God resonate within the depths of our very being. And going back to what you were saying as far as uh, unbelievers, 
Uh, this is something I wrote down and the reason why I'm, I'm sort of laughing as you were talking. Uh, the unbeliever can savor the Bible as literature. I said, and, and I don't think we read that anywhere. I think that maybe we sent each other a signal oh, okay. there. Okay. <laughs> but that is the extent of his savoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may be able to understand the logic words, syntax, and context, but he cannot truly savor the glory of God because it is supernatural. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's the distinction there between the unbeliever and the believer. We not only have the privilege, but the capacity capacity to be able to see God in Scripture, see his glory, and then savor it. The unbeliever, uh, I, I won't even necessarily say that he can see God, but he's seeing something in Scripture. But because he has not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God, he definitely cannot savor the glory of God. No question, and, and we're out of time here Um what you said is is encouraging and so we'll just summarize it by saying again that we we come to the and, and a lot, the reason we started this podcast theme at the start of the year is because a lot of people are rethinking bible reading we're already mid january and so oh. maybe people have failed in those plans already and the encouragement would be to not give up in that even if you fail the plan don't wait till january 1st again to start over mm. read god's word Look for his glory, and it's on every page, but then savor him, not Amen. just the words. Um, and that, and we'll, we'll leave it at that for today. So seeing his glory, savoring it, and on Friday, if you join us, Lord willing, we'll talk about the transformation that is expected uh, as we continue to move along in this discussion. So God bless, and Lord willing, we will talk to you on Friday. 